Flying Casual is brought to you by Patreon supporters Brent, Andy Dugan, David Bush, Rob Patsky, Jory Webb, Kelly Breckner, Nate Edison, and Wes Anderson. May the Force be with you. You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Welcome, Star Wars fans, to the latest installment of Casual Council. That is incorrect, Holly. This is Flying Casual, and this is not Casual Council. You almost did it again. Boy, a great two weeks in a row starting off <laughs> improperly, you know, referencing the podcast episode. I think this is actually Holly's hyperspace happy hour. This is Holly's hyperspace happy hour. It is the second Saturday of the month, Holly, which means we're talking about another Star Wars book. We sure are. That book would be Dark Disciple, Michael. Dark Did Disciple. you read it? I read it a couple years ago, Holly. This thing came out in 2015, and that's when Michael was on top of canon novels. Mm-hmm. The thing came yep. out, mm-hmm. and a few, let's call it a month later, sure. the book would have been completed, and I would have been talking about it. So I would say late 2015, early 2016. It's been a while. Since you've read a book? Since I've read a book, but have no fear. I read the Wikipedia summary. So I pretty much know everything there is to know about Dark yeah. Disciple. You're well-versed in the life and journey of Asajj Ventress. Hello. Not too familiar, but we're going to get to that here later. But, uh, folks, we are in our monthly book club um, talking about Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. And we, we brought our friends along for us, as we do with every book club. We have Paige, Rob, Nettie, and Luke dropping in the podcast to talk about this novel. Um, and Holly, I, I mean – you're kind of newer to the novels, and, and I know this was a, a you know a huge recommendation from our in-house encyclopedia, Luke Elder. Uh-huh. I, I mean, what about you know what what when Luke was you know summarizing kind of you know where this was and maybe what's kind of going on? What enticed you to pick this one up? Oh, the cover art because it's pretty sexy. Um, yeah, yeah, no, not the cover. Not art, the cover. Actually, art. because okay. Luke didn't show me the book; he just told me the That's book. That's true. Oh, I have a thing for night witches. Not like a Whoa. weird thing, but like a new development on flying <laughs> casual as usual. I think that's how it came up. I think that we were talking about Dathomir yeah. and the Night Witches. And it was like, you gotta read it. Yeah, not as much magic in this one, I will say, right? I mean, a little bit. They dabble in the magic, but we're not talking well, about like dark, dark magic the entire book. No, we're just talking about other darkness. Yeah, that's I guess. right. Amen. No, there's there's definitely some magic. Yeah. There's um, a little bit of history about the Night Sisters and the magic that they use, um, and some of the trials that they went through, which is interesting. And then, I mean, it's really more so just dark side and Ooh. the Force, and less so just the magic. Well, folks, for all of you listening, then, I mean, look out for books in the future that has to do with witchcraft. No, we are not becoming a Harry Potter podcast. I believe we're not, right? That's that's out of, that's not, that's not. Never read the books. Um, Harry Potter, who's Or that? seen all the movies, but we will be talking about more witches, more Night Sisters in, in future episodes. But uh, Holly, let's just, can we go around the horn and just give like a, a, really a non-spoiler kind of discussion about what everyone you know kind of liked about the book and then we'll get heavy into the details what did yeah. you think oh i really liked it i think that this was one of the star wars books that i actually blew through i think everybody knows wow. crazy 
I think that everybody knows it took me a really long yeah. time to read Bloodline. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say not as long as me. Oh, no. But for me, it was yeah. a long time. It actually caused us to keep pushing back the book club. I'm yes. so sorry. Pandemic, it's, it happens. It happens. Right. Um, but I found this really enjoyable to read. Um, I personally like the pacing. I think that the characters had um, really engaging roles in this novel. And I think that having it being told from different characters' perspectives, but mainly from Asajj herself, was yeah. an interesting take on the story. Plus, my limited amount of knowledge from the Clone Wars, since, spoiler, I never finished the series. Yeah, hey, that's okay. Get to it. it filled in some gaps. Yeah. Phrasing. Phrasing. Okay, but I overall, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it a different view on the characters and the story that I personally didn't know very much about. A story that takes place in the middle of the Clone Wars to the back end of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, and supposedly a story that would have taken place in the Clone Wars if it were ever finished. We didn't get that. Instead, we get a novel, I will say, hot and steamy at times, Holly. Yeah. Details that probably would have been left um, out of the animated series. I agree with that, and we can talk more about that later. I guess some of the background that I found on this book, um, there are some interviews with Christy Golden mm. regarding how she came about writing this and what kind of went into her writing it, because I think there's a lot of pressure from the Star Wars community, yeah. the fans, all of that, and I think that sometimes that pressure can scare people away from wanting to write a book, especially about something like the Clone Wars, which yeah. people hold so dearly and have a lot of opinions about. But Absolutely. I think that she did a great job. Um, I think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that she got the idea for this after watching eight or so of the unpublished mm. Episodes from the Clone Wars. Does it that sounds sound about right? right. I thought you were gonna say Fifty Shades of Grey. No, but... that's not. <laughs> okay, okay, that's not accurate. Note to self: Christy Golden has not read or watched Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so let's let's go around the horn. I want I want to start with Nettie. I, Nettie, you picked this up I think a while ago. Maybe I'm wrong. But what what did you think, man? I mean, we're delving into a, a familiar territory, but. I mean, we we're we're digging deep in some of the sentiments of some of these Jedi that you know seem to be following a straight and narrow path most of the time, but seems like they're okay with delving into the dark every once in a while. What, what did you think of this, man? I, was, I didn't know much about going into it, but I was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it. I definitely thought it was a good book. Say, um, Ventress has never been one of my favorite characters, but I really felt like this was probably one of the best examples of fleshing out a character, so I really enjoyed that. And then I'm sure we'll get into it, but like you just said, some of the Jedi aspects you see in there are really cool and really interesting and kind of lead into episode three really well about where the Jedi are going. So I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I want to ask you the story of Quinlan Voss in this mm -hmm. strikingly similar to a character, maybe from legends that we know as, uh, as Darth Revan. I mean, how, how did this book hit you? I mean, we're, we're in canon here, obviously, you know, that kind of Revan stories in the past, but you can see where they've picked yeah. up some of that story and dropped it in here. What did you think of it? I actually thought the story, like Holly said, paced well. I thought it paced fast at the beginning. I thought that they should have probably drew the meeting with Doku out a little more. I didn't like how fast it actually went into it and then people were caught and all that stuff. But I thought... The whole novel as a whole 
flowed together perfectly. Except I did not like the ending. I did not. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I got some problems with it. Yeah. Uh, hey, we're going to get we'll to that. We'll get into it. For Don't sure. you worry. Problems with that ending. <laughs> phrasing uh, from Oof. Rob there. Now, Paige, I, Paige is a bit of a romantic. Okay, so I know that she was enjoying this relationship between these maybe, you know, unsuspecting characters, Holly. Paige, what would you think? Um, I had read this before, Um, so this was a reread. I liked it just as much second time. Um, I mean, there are some problems that we'll talk about. Absolutely. Holly, Holly knows. Um, <laughs> but um, Asajj Ventress has been like one of my favorite characters since like the OG Clone Wars, like in 2003. So this is like one of my favorite books because we get to see her in action more so than we did yeah. in the actual Clone Wars, which love the Clone Wars. But one of the good things about the book is it's kind of like the episode structure, even though it's not actually on the TV, which is something I liked. And Quinlan's a great character too. So that's great. Um, I loved all of that. And it it had all the good snarky content that you expect from Clone Wars and um, good cameos like Rex, who I love Rex. Um, And I mean, a bit of hypocrisy, uh, you know, here and there. So mm -hmm. the title of this discussion, Uh hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, uh, I liked it overall, some issues, uh, but I told Holly that I threw in a, a metric because I was going to be negative. So, uh, I picked two Taylor Swift songs for you, Michael. Yeah, come on. Um, to, you know, I love Taylor. Columbus, <laughs> Ohio, circa <laughs> 11 backstage. Good Lord. Go, go ahead. Uh-huh. Um, to, that the, the book reminded me of and i picked mad woman in exile so that's that's about how i feel about the whole book (laughs) surprising fact i don't know what those songs are what are you doing folklore has been out for a bit what are you doing you're absolutely right i probably could sing the song couldn't tell you what the title was okay all right well we'll get into it he's gonna look it up later don't worry so that's fine So no rail shipping here, but definitely, you know, some shipping going on. I don't know if anyone was shipping Quinlan Voss. Oh, I was, I was into it 120%. Yeah, I was, I was, I mean, after watching Clone Wars, did not suspect Holly that Quinlan Voss, such a ladies man. You know, I don't know. Didn't even look like he bathed. Okay, here's the thing, though. I think everyone can agree with this. Quinlan Voss definitely gives off the bad boy Jedi vibe. What's up? Hello. Like a, like a Ben Solo, but more hairy. Not even close to a Ben Solo. (laughs) Okay. Um... So I guess I don't find it necessarily so surprising that yeah. he would be a ladies' man. Also, yeah. he has a heart. He has a big Who heart, and he that's wears actually it right question. here. That's questionable. We'll get to that. If you're not watching on YouTube, I just patted my sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. No <laughs> um, phrasings there. No phrasing. <laughs> no I do have to say, you guys know that I have a huge issue with the romance. Star Wars. I'm mm. not like shy about yeah. saying that, but this wasn't like over the top, like <laughs> too much romance. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. We can get into that. The temptation was everywhere in this book. I mean, romance, dark side. Yeah. Uh, we're delving deep. Uh, Luke, I think you picked up this one again, second time around. Still as enjoyable as the first. 
Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've been pumping this book up for so long. Right. Uh, to Holly trying to like, you know, send the messages through the force. <laughs> Pick this for the book club. Dark <laughs> Disciple is the greatest. Do it. Uh, so I was utterly thrilled uh, yeah. when it was chosen for the next one. And we got to dive back in. It's got to be top three new canon novels for me. And I'm usually pretty Star Wars positive, but uh, so you have to, you know, grade this on the Luke scale of positivity. It's it's even way up there. He's a uh, shill. Folks. We got to still here. I, I don't I don't know. I don't. Know. I, we can't get rid of him. <laughs> The, the journey that Asajj goes on um, throughout the arc of the Clone Wars, uh, Paige mentioned like loving her from the get-go, I think, and even in the, the Gendi Tartakovsky series, um, 2003. And for me, I kind of had the exact opposite. So I love that, that Paige was with her from the get-go, and I had to grow into her. Yeah. To me, it's very, very Jamie Lannister uh, for those Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones fans. I understand. Jamie, that. season one of the show or book one, yeah. there's just nothing but um, you you despise him, nothing but hatred for him. Yeah. And then he grows into like the most fascinating character and my favorite character in the entire series uh, because of how complex his background is and you understand where he comes from. And for me, Asajj is the same way. Like, I was annoyed by her in the early episodes of The Clone Wars. Like, she's this kind of one note villain. Yeah. She usually gets defeated and then runs away. Yeah. The very first episode of the entire series after the movie came out, she's just getting her butt kicked by Yoda, and then she yeah. runs away. And then over and over again, she just kind of like gets her butt kicked and runs away. But it, you know, like she gets a lot more interesting once Dooku casts her aside. And then she's like this other party outside of the, the Clone Wars conflict, but still an actor in all these galactic events. Uh, and so she just goes on this fascinating journey. You learn about her backstory, how she came to be. You learn about the Night Sisters. So uh, she's grown into just one of the best, I think, Star Wars characters there is out there. Uh, and I think one that is probably underappreciated. Yeah, yeah. she's got a story of loss, just like everyone mm -hmm. else in Star Wars. It makes yeah. you feel for her. And we're kind of with her on, like, I know that there's a lot of talk about um, – Darth Vader's redemption, and I feel like we actually are with Asajj on her road to redemption a lot Come longer on. than we are with some of the other Star Wars characters that people want to rave about their redemption story. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I mean, since Luke brought it up, that was one of my questions I was going to ask you guys what you actually thought about Asajj's journey, because I do think it's a fascinating one. She goes from being a Jedi Padawan, a Sith assassin, a Knight sister. We meet her in this novel now, and she's what a bounty hunter. She's an individual of many hats, Holly. Can, before we get to that, can we can we bring up Luke describing uh, Jamie Lannister's life as complex? Uh, putting it mildly, I would say he's hooking <laughs> up with his sister. So lots of things going on there. Definitely you know, more complicated. Anyway, Holly, a uh, 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 lady of a, many hats. This is a star. Not a bend the knee podcast. podcast. You're absolutely right. A, a, a lady of many characters, and I think that's what makes her fascinating. But she's kind of she's one of those that kind of does what's necessary to survive. She is a survivor out in the galaxy. Luke, what is it so much about Ventress that that, that pulls you in? Is it that she always finds a way? Is it I, she is complex? But what what specifically is it that 
because you did make that transition to be like kind of kind of like Ahsoka, right? Like we all were just like, oh my god, like this 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 teenager is annoying. But then we end up loving her. She becomes more and more complex. So what exactly is it that you love about it? Yeah, I think comparing her to Ahsoka, you get way more backstory of Asajj than you get ever of Ahsoka, I think. We don't really know Ahsoka from the young age on. We just know her as a Padawan moving forward. So Asajj is even way more developed in terms of backstory. I think it's fascinating when, if you watch, you know, it's referenced in this book and it's through a lot of episodes of The Clone Wars, you see that she was um, sold off basically to slavery by the Night Sisters to um, some like pirates. Yeah. which is a really rough go. And like they were, I guess, being accosted by these pirates regularly. They needed to come to some kind of settlement. It's like, here, take one of ours who's powerful to, to work with you. And, and that's like probably good for the Night Sisters in the long run, but a huge betrayal to Asajj. And yeah. so she's carrying that forward. And then to see her come under the tutelage of a Jedi and sort of get that light side and she's down with it. But then to lose him and then, like, embrace her rage through losing him to fight back. And then she's just this, like, put-upon soul in the galaxy that is, you know, sort of a victim of circumstance. So she's a really sympathetic character in the end. Uh, where, I, like I said, like, she just starts out as this one-note bad guy that you're supposed to dislike. Yeah. But she, there, she contains so much more and is re- revealed to be so much more i don't know about you guys but i find Asajj to be a very believable character because i think sometimes often in yeah. real life we meet people who go through really hard times and go to really dark places and they respond to those circumstances in not the best way and we're kind of with Asajj when that happens to her and i think that we've all been there we're like you've done something and you've been like, I wish I hadn't have done that, but I was, you know, being emotionally reactive in that moment and mm-hmm. I couldn't control myself. And I feel like we see that happen with Asajj and I feel like we get that growth in her character. And it truly is going back to what Dave Filoni said, George Lucas told him that Star Wars is a story of hope. And I feel like if Asajj is not that kind of character, we truly see her being the embodiment of that hopeful story, then as as tragic as her end is which we can get to but mm-hmm. I just feel like for everything that she's gone through and then for her to still see at, come through it and see that good mm-hmm. in life is pretty astounding and those experiences have made her vulnerable and it's unfortunate she like many of our vulnerable characters who have gone through those things in Star Wars become a pawn in someone's game and it's just Ah, uh, it's so tragic. I mean, Maul, another perfect example. I feel like her and Maul have had very, very similar experiences. Um, not just coming from, you know, the Night Sister kind of realm, but I, I, it's just, it's it's another tragic Star Wars mm-hmm. story. I see a lot of experience coming from come Rob, on, and I kind of want to get his take on what he thought about. But Let's go, Rob. It's all you. Yo, all right, look. So, again, I can't say anything else. I She was a villain that nobody liked. And when I started watching The Clone Wars years ago, I was like, man, who is this? Like, get, get out of here. Get out of here. But she got close to Anakin, you know? She yeah, got close. That's true. That takes a lot. That takes a lot. Right? Yeah. So, for me, when I, when I see her and they talk about her skill, and they, she talks about the TKs, 
And, you know, like, oh, that's Terracost, okay, Star Wars Galaxy terms. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when she does all those things and then, like, she's straight up bold, like, bold. That's the way you want your character. Like, if you would almost think if she was cast as Vader, she would almost be a perfect war Vader. And I know that this is completely different and crazy, but it's because she comes into it colder because she accepts what she has to do. She's almost like Obi-Wan, but, like, who she is that way because she does her duty but she always does it but you got it she always did run away at the beginning but for me this book really opened up like a soft side to her which you didn't think and you saw quinlan breaking the walls down but she yeah. kept punching him and kept going on with him but for me i think what really what really put this all together and it happened very early in the in the book was how fast the jedi don't just say, yeah, we're going to kill him. Yeah. Like, like, really? Like, I, I've never heard it. And, and Obi-Wan was against that. And for me, that's what it leads to, you know, Ventress and the whole story. But early in that book, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's not the Jedi way. Come on. Come on. And it paid, it's not. It, it, Paige, you alluded to this hypocrisy as well. Let's mm -hmm. just call it. It is. Mm -hmm. It's. Using and that's why you feel so bad because they are, they're using Asajj. Mm -hmm. They're using her to accomplish an end goal and expendable to them. And I mean, in the end, obviously they see some merit to what she did, and they, you know, partner and all that, whatever. But I mean, Quinlan too, right? I mean, uh, you know, he'll easily probably, you know, kind of fall for all this, and he'll he'll do what needs to be done, kind of. He's kind of one of those Jedi, right? He even kind of got that a little bit from the Clone Wars. So, I mean, let, let's talk about the that hypocrisy a little bit. She's ready. Uh, I mean, first I want to say about Asajj, I think because she's a, a female villain, yeah. I think people are so quick to write her off as, like, dumb and, like, uncomplicated because she's a woman. Like, if Anakin was going through these things, people would be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But because oh, yeah. she's a woman, I feel like people kind of like... But I agree. I think she's a totally complex and unapologetic character, and that's why she's so great. Yeah. Um, but I'll talk about the hypocrisy all day long. <laughs> um, so... Okay. When I watched The Clone Wars, I was like, oh, I like Mace Windu now, because he treats the clones like human beings yeah yeah and then i reread this book <laughs> and i'm sorry luke i remembered why i hate mace window <laughs> because he is such a hypocrite yeah. um he's the first one to be like we're gonna go kill this person that's what we're gonna do and i'm sitting here like you're the person with a purple lightsaber who's the yeah. most like per like most likely person to go dark and you're Come sitting on. here saying Let's go kill this person. These people are expendable. Yeah. And I, Obi-Wan is the only person in that room who deserved to get out of Order 66 because he is the only person with a brain. Strong. And treats people sure. like people. Was that the force intervening? I mean, did the force say you're, you're one of the good ones, right? Well, it's because he has attachments to people. He treats yeah. people like people, yeah. which... In the end, that's why Quinlan came back is because of his attachments. Come on. You can't you can't have people stop caring about people. That's ridiculous. Yep. The Pope has friends, monks have friends, yeah. nuns have friends. You can't even have a friend. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. 
Um, I know that's going to be too much hate, but I, I'm sorry. Uh, that's it made me so angry. And then I found myself agreeing with Count Juku because he's right. They don't treat the clones like people. Yeah, they don't. Let's order another million of them to just go in and do what needs to be done. They were he, sitting there acting like the whole Krell thing was like no big deal. And yeah. it was it was like a total push under the the only people impacted by that were the clones. And that was like the whole thing that I was just like angry about. Because I'm a big I'm a big Rex person, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that whole like episode arc was like devastating. Yeah. And Mace Windu in the Clone Wars was like so sympathetic and he like treated the clones like people and then here he is. <laughs> Let's just go murder this guy. Yeah. Quinlan, I don't care. We'll murder Quinlan. I don't even care. I've known him for a very long time, but like, we'll kill him. It's fine. Yeah, whatever <laughs> happens, happens. He's but not like, maybe one of the good ones. Yeah. Not to yeah. mention, since she's talking about executing Quinlan, hold on. <laughs> he says, hold on. <laughs> the person who was one of the biggest supporters of executing Quinlan was none other than. Mr. Anakin Skywalker oh, yeah. himself. Yeah. So we can talk about that for a second because that was kind of the hypocrisy that I was yeah. like. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. But and he gotta, goes and talks to Padme about it. He does. Mm. But remember where Anakin's coming from. I mean, obviously Anakin's dabbling on the side with Padme and no one really knows about it. And so those attachments, you know, we give him props for that. And we know he's going through a lot or whatever. But Obi-Wan Kenobi is also his his master duty, you know, Focus, honor, missions. He, I can see him being torn, and I think that's a lot of where the hypocrisy comes from. But uh, Anakin's flawed too. The chosen one has his flaws as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, and I guess we haven't heard from Nettie for a little while, so I wanted to ask: Do you, Nettie, think that maybe seeing the hypocrisy coming from Anakin is something that you would have expected from Anakin if you know his character earlier on in prequels and in earlier on in the Clone Wars? Or do you think that this behavior kind of comes from something that we start to see him spiral into the dark side a little bit more? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's that's a very interesting way to look at it. I'm not sure which way is the correct way to look at it, necessarily. Because, um, yeah, that scene between him and Padme was actually probably one of my favorite scenes in the book, just because of the foreshadowing that was in there, oh. and the hypocrisy, and Anakin not getting it, was definitely really interesting. And I really like the part where like Padme's like, well, maybe she'll be the one to bring him back, because technically that's what she does through her kids Flash. but i, I really like that paul um i know that doesn't answer your question at all but yeah. um i think it does kind of foreshadow you know that he is kind of slipping and maybe not necessarily slipping yet but he's kind of got that mindset that it's okay for me but it's not okay for these other people yeah and that kind of shows like the selfishness that is driving him because the whole reason he taunts is selfish like yes he's trying to save padme but he's trying to save padme because yeah. he can't live without her. So, yep. like, his entire, like, character drive is that selfishness. So, I think it kind of does show some of that, which I think is interesting and a point I actually missed while reading it. I'm really glad that came out. And and he and th we're getting closer and closer to, you know, Revenge of the Sith here. Like, his frustration with the Council, with the Senate. Like, 
it's just he, he's going to really aggressive means now and i i'm the chosen one just send me in i'll take him out and i mean he does you know <laughs> my doubles of power my my doubles have powered my powers have doubled since we last met count so he, you see him becoming more aggressive and just saying if we just kill this one guy like it's over then and that's that's also how inexperienced he is as well and how being focused is the chosen one he's just led to believe that his powers will save the ones he loves it'll accomplish great feats it'll bring peace to the galaxy when in reality it's way more complicated than that he tends to see the world just through that and it takes him knowing he has children and understanding how we think in his comic book Vader that he will come to accept I kill Padme and I need to deal with that. Holly, am I wrong? I don't think that you're wrong. And if you don't know what we're talking about, listen mm. to our last mm. episode. That's right. Hello. Hello. Um, <clears throat> Luke, I mean, are we giving Anakin too much flack here? I mean, like, this book ain't even about Anakin. Too much Anakin. You know? Oh, uh, there's always time for Anakin in Star Wars. <laughs> um, I think... It, it, it's good continuity with some of his lines in Attack of the Clones because he says, you know, in those awkward scenes in the the plains of Naboo when, when him and Padme are alone, and he basically says he'd be open to a dictator. Yes, yeah, just making people do what 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 the dictator wants, assuming the dictator is benevolent. So that's what you kind of see the way Anakin sees the world, like. As long as um, there's an authoritarian who has people's best interests in mind, it'd be okay with him. And Absolutely. he sees himself as maybe you know being an, an actor on that side of good, even if he has to do it through um, you know dictatorial means. So yeah. I think that 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 all lines up. And I think what Paige is speaking to a lot is sort of the brilliance of of Palpatine's manipulations through contriving the whole Clone Wars and setting these events in motion. What he's done is create this pressure on the order that makes it more likely for them to choose paths that sort of corrupt their their core values. They don't necessarily have to, but they're put under so much pressure to try to keep the galaxy stitched together mm-hmm. that they choose these, you know, like Yoda says, the dark side is an easier path. It's faster. It's not necessarily more powerful. But because... Palpatine has, you know, orchestrated things in a way that it just puts them and backs them into a corner. Mm-hmm. So they're more likely to go down this path. I think Mace is 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 the, the the biggest example of this. He wants a quick resolution to things. And so he's willing to go down a path he might not otherwise have in less trying circumstances. But because things have gotten so bad. They're under so much pressure. Mace is willing to embrace these things. And like he says in Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin says, no, he should stand trial, don't kill him. No, yeah. he's too powerful. We, we just have to eliminate him now, and then we move on. Just yeah. like he did to Jango Fett, cutting off his head. You know, Mace is kind of like a no-nonsense guy, which you think would jive with what Anakin is, is all about, too. But except for when it's not aligned with Anakin's needs, <laughs> uh, he... he uh, you know, bumped head with Mace, but there's really a lot of um, a lot of similarity between the two. Yeah, uh, Michael and I were talking before this episode, and um, we were kind of talking about some of those decisions that felt kind of rushed in this novel, like immediately jumping to, say, executing Quinlan Vos, and 
we kind of talked about, you know, this still is the Clone Wars. There is a war going on, and there's a lot of other resources being used mm-hmm. up. There's a lot of other stuff going on outside of what we see in the novel at the same time. And, I mean, that is a reminder. And, Luke, I know we've talked about this in episodes before. <laughs> Sometimes in war, people make decisions mm-hmm. that they would otherwise run from personally outside of yeah. that scenario. And... Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes that's something that we can see here, but I do want to read you guys a quote from this book since Luke kind of brought up different paths. Um, Sometimes it is a dark path we must tread so that long more for the light we shall. And I think that that was, I don't know, I, of all the things that I read in this novel, that quote really stood out to me Mm -hmm. because I feel like, it kind of spoke to the ability of Asajj and Quinlan both kind of like riding a bicycle down the line of the yeah. light in the dark and kind of touching their feet down on both sides and leaning more one way and one the other and then coming back in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, obviously, that was Master Yoda, right? Obvi- the only individual that speaks like that. I, it's yeah. what you said earlier, Holly. We just watched those Night Sister episodes of The Clone Wars, and you're absolutely right. Think about what the Republic is going through right now. You have this Senate that's running out of the, – the Republic's running out of money. They don't want to spend – you know, we – Freaking Padme's here talking about humanitarian rights and feeding the hungry and stuff, and people are just like, we just need clones. We need to end this thing. There's a lot of pressure on them. She goes behind enemy lines to try to work with the other yeah. side and say, can we come to a, a resolution here? They try that. Doesn't work. You know, the war isn't going well. Obviously, it ends around Coruscant. Are you kidding me? They're at your back door or your front door for this, for, I guess, in, the, in this instance. But So there's a lot going on, and I, it makes you understand that pressure a little more when you tie in other material. But Yoda, in my opinion, what we're hearing there makes me think of the more enlightened Yoda, you know, Force Ghost Yoda that we see almost in The Last Jedi. Failure. You mm-hmm. need to fail sometimes to better understand the world around you. That's not really the Yoda I was picking up on other than when Anakin would come to him and say, yo, I'm having some dark thoughts about people I love and losing them. He's like, just meditate. Like, is he just letting him go out there and go through that crap? And just, he's chosen one, it'll work it out, it's cool, we'll always fail, that's naive of me. Is that what he's doing? Nettie, I mean, does this sound like Yoda? I mean, Chrissy Golding, you know, having a lot of history of Yoda here, but making him... A little more enlightened, like we saw in what was that, 2018 or 2017? Uh, and the wait, was that the last? Yeah, the last Jedi. Yeah. What, what What did you think of that quote? I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that definitely sounds like that more enlightened Yoda, and I think that Yoda signs through a few times um, throughout the book. Like he's like one of the only ones that's okay with like pardoning Ventress like right off the bat, and I definitely think you see some of that, and it's definitely kind of cool to see Yoda's character out throughout like the entire series how you know he is wise in the beginning and Phantom Menace but he does have that kind of arrogance too that the Jedi are suffering from right now and kind of see as he's developing that and how it's changed by the time you get to that OT and that sequel trilogy and also some history between him and Dooku right like yo this is my old Padawan like he's not is he a Sith Lord? Is he? Could we redeem him? My, is he so lost? Um, uh, spoiler. 
He was so lost. Boy, was he. <laughs> the most lost. Give that man a map. But you think about that confrontation that they had at the end of Attack of the Clones, you know? Like, a uh, fair fight there. But uh, is there some, you know, is, is he hopeful that maybe Dooku can be turned around? Maybe we shouldn't kill him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Dooku needed to go out there and fail to learn that he needed to come back to the fight. Rob, are you buying this? I mean, do you need to tread in darkness sometimes? Yo. You gotta, I, I really, that's the thing that we need a story f- about Yoda for, because Come on. that dude's a straight gray Jedi, but there's no way, this whole book, he played the middle role, he played the middle role, he was like, okay, you go kill them, and then he's like, oh no, we pardon you, and yeah. I'm like, what, no, yeah. this isn't, this isn't it, and that's why I think when you talk about Revan, when you talk about, you know, Grandmaster Luke, when you talk about everything, it, it's... It, Quinlan, it, everybody that has jumped between both the light and dark have always had that. And I think that that actually could make the best Jedi. And I think that the closest, I think the closest Jedi that actually came to it was Grandmaster Luke. Because he actually walked both sides, got both things, you know, understood both sides, took both skills from that in, you know, the EU universe. He was able to use that. But. I think when when Nettie was talking there a little bit, he said he's arrogant, and Palpatine called him arrogant, and I think that that's the one thing. Yeah, that's got to be it. It's I think that he was so powerful, and at nine hundred years, when we just found out, you know, last Jedi Knight, our uh, our last casual council, that Yoda was a boss at hundred, and it was almost there. So we're talking about. If if you were a boss at 100 and you are 800 years or 600 years on you, you're gonna pretty much think you're don't stink, right? Yeah. That no, I, I agree that, more. And that lack of history, I think we all love Yoda. We all just accept he's wise because yeah. he's like a cool hood and he walks with a cane and he's pretty baller with the saber. Mm-hmm. He does have questionable cool. yeah. grammar. Questionable grammar. Yeah. How is that yes. kid educated? I have yes. no idea. But, but we trust that he is leading us down the right path. But yeah. we could use some backstory. I'm down. I, I was excited when we yeah. were going to get a Yoda story or a movie. But maybe we need to kind of mm-hmm. flush out his history and how did we get to where we are. That kind of yeah. a little bit of an arrogant, confident Yoda. Like, well, how did we get there? Was it always that way for him? Could we do exactly for, for, for Yoda as we've done for other characters that – um, we understand where they are a little more now, but Paige, but there's still some hypocrisy there with Yoda, right? I mean, like, come on, like he's, you know, it's, 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 is it just when it's convenient, Yoda's like, yeah, totally. Hey, he went to the dark side. Sometimes you need it. Like, it'll be fine. Or like, no, we, Hey, we cut the line here. We don't lead into temptation. Like, is it just convenience? Like when he, does he just saying the right things at the right moment? Cause that's what you want to hear. I mean, <sighs> It's a little bit of both. He's less likely to be like execute a person than yeah. Mace's, but with, I mean, like you said, with Yoda, everyone just assumes he's like wise because he's just this tiny little guy and he's just yeah. so smart. But why is he so smart? I don't know. Um, I just feel like he plays both sides a lot, and that's part of the problem. Yeah. But here's the thing. Come on. If you're, this is just me. Come on. Just now. Yeah, come on. Yeah. (laughs) This is happening live. This is live, folks. If you're 
hundred, nine hundred, a thousand. It doesn't yeah. even matter. We don't. Yeah, I, I think once you get five hundred at that point, I mean, you're just age old. is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. if you're nine hundred years old and you haven't slipped into the dark side and not come back, I feel like you kind of do yeah. reserve the right to talk about. The ability to dabble in both sides. Or did he? I, I don't know. I've already, just in this conversation, we've had the whole 40 minutes we've been going. I have created a backstory for Yoda that I would love to see. Can we hear it? Parts of it. So I'm seeing, like, Yoda during, like, a, let's call it, you know, when we think of the older public, you almost think of, like, a kind of medieval time. Even though we know from the games and the books, it's like, no, every all the technology was pretty right. much the same. Like, yeah. starships looked the same. Every, we still had lightsabers. Like, nothing has changed in a thousand years. So you're not saying Yoda on a dragon wearing full suit of armor with a sword. Not That a actually sword. would be really sick. I would be down to see little Yoda riding a giant dragon. Can we, let's make that happen. <laughs> that would be so sick. I, I want to see this happen too, so. Right? But so, I just picture so, the dragon looking like Falcor. Okay, let's throw the dragon dragon and its name could actually be falcor i'd be down uh maybe that's a trademark in frenchman i don't know i see yoda like you know when you think of medieval times and like there's like a, a king or like someone who makes decisions and they take someone to to the 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 the, the courtyard and they're gonna behead someone right and i just feel like like yoda back in the day was having to make some tough decisions and like he whipped out a saber and he beheaded someone and thought that's just that will get people, you know, in order. And it's like, and maybe he struggles with that. Like maybe there's those types of experiences. Like that's not how you handle it. I don't know. I don't know. To me, the dark side literally is executing people. So really? that's part of it, a big part of it for me. So that's why I had a problem with the whole like execute Dooku, yeah. execute Quinlan. Because like ultimately like that is a step into the dark side if you're making the decision to terminate somebody's life like that yeah. instead of just put them in like a it's high. Not the Jedi way. That's what Anakin says. Oh, God, he's been seeking counsel with Yoda, so we think Yoda kind of you know thinks that same things. But in a war, when you're losing, desperation ensues. Think about World War II. You know, Ooh, things weren't really looking good in the Pacific. We made some really questionable choices just sure to end did. that thing because it was costly. We didn't want to drag it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's history. They're, they're taking straight from, you know, yeah. our history on planet Earth. It's just, and that's why I love it. It's Talk lessons to be learned. Well, yes, maybe to this day we are kind of, you know, being hypocrites because of our past. This isn't a history podcast. It's not, but we love it. How you had a couple of other great points, and I think oh. we probably can start getting into kind of some of the meat of what happened because I could talk about this other stuff all day it might just have to be another podcast oh my gosh yeah, yeah. guys yeah. okay this is just something that Come i on. had a huge issue with you're talking about asajj mm -hmm. and i really like asajj surprise surprise yeah. i liked her before i knew her um wow. <laughs> but i will tell you this i read this book before I watched any of her episodes in the Clone Wars and I was worried that the Clone Wars may change my opinion of her and mm -hmm. those episodes did not Good. but something that almost changed my opinion of her was when she made Quinlan kill the sleeper and that yeah. scene made me so mad and so uncomfortable because you guys have heard me say it a million times the thing that I love about Ezra Bridger is his ability to connect to these animals and he's like an empath right empath and yeah yeah. yeah yeah and he can like feel what they're feeling and have that connection 
them. And then to see Asajj come in and be like, look, if you want, if you want to know how to use the dark side, murder this innocent animal that the Night Sisters have tried so hard to use in mm-hmm. their trials to become a true witch and night sister, yeah. but it'll be easy for you to kill it and you're going to feel really bad, but you've got to push through it. And then he does. He does. Is that, is that, it's been a long time since I read this. Is that her having him show her like, he'll do anything for me. Like that's how dedicated he is to me. Cause I'm pretty sure at that point they were kind of a thing, right? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Paige, did you think that that was, that was more of like a do this for me or that was a do this for like the mission killing. I think it was, I think it was both. Uh, Cause they were definitely, I think a thing at that point. Cause they were in that cave, right? Yeah. Boy, that's a, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> Stop <page>. it. Stop <laughs> it. That's no. That's uh, I appreciate that on uh, the FCC airways. Um, I, I don't know what the point of that was. Number one, they described this thing as like so beautiful, but like also terrifying. If you look it up on Wikipedia, the thing you will find is like a blob with a face. I I challenge everyone to look this up on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's a it's a special entity. Um, but I don't I don't understand what the, her point was. Like it was gonna um, get rid of like Night Sister knowledge, and I I don't understand what her whole point would have been other than for him to go dark but also like i i and then that's, it that's was the, it was the, dumb it is but that's almost <laughs> the genius of asajj because you do not really know mm-hmm. her purpose for like is it is it just show me that you're loyal or if I know you do this, you're going down a path where we can accomplish some things. I got some debt I got to pay off or like we could, you know, slay Dooku or there's other things that we could do to get like, or is it just pure temptation and, and the dark side? But I, that's what I love about Asajj because it's not very clear what, you know, the intent was. Luke, am I, am, is that, am I wrong or is that, is it, was it pure love? Like show me that you are dedicated or like, murder what was it? Murder this thing to show me you love me. Or murder. But, and I, I kind of find that, strange that Quinlan would do it. I think when he used that psychometry, I think of um, Cal Kestis and yeah. how in tune he was with like people's experiences then and understanding them. And I feel like with that power, that's something you kind of gain insight into. And so you're just like, you want to kill this thing? and But maybe that's just the dark side. Yeah, I think what Asajj feels is that he has to embrace a part of the dark side to tap into that quick, easy path for power yeah. to be able to ready, be ready to face Dooku. Um, because he's, you know, he's told her we need, I've been sent here by the order, the Jedi masters, the council, and this is my mission. And she says like, you're not gonna be able to do it unless you embrace some of these dark powers that give you that quick, easy path. Yeah. And you first see with the snake, that she tries to get him to, to do the same thing to to kill just for no good reason. Good point. And he can't do it. He kind of loses his concentration and so getting bitten by the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it hurts like hell. Um, and she's and that to her shows her I have to put him in such a situation that a life or death situation to get him to like overcome his Jedi training to tap into this mm-hmm. darker side. And she sees the sleeper as the way to do that. 
uh, you know, have him confront this beast who's going to kill him unless he taps into this darker side and and destroys it. Uh, So that, to me, I don't think it was anything about, like, her. I don't think it was, like, a turn-on for her or, you know, like, made her love him more (laughs) that he killed the the sleeper. Um, But just, like, she's like, I have to break through in this way that will get him to actually tap into what I'm asking him to tap into. Yeah, because she's tried this, right? Like, she's tried to get rid of Dooku, and she can't. And why why wouldn't she then? Is it is it forbidden for her to do something with her night sister background, or maybe she can't? That's a great question. I, I don't know why she herself, and maybe the book spoke to that. I, I don't remember. But why wouldn't she do that? It could make you more power. She, maybe she doesn't have the courage. I don't know. I don't know. That... I don't remember. I don't know. You guys can correct me if wrong, but I don't actually think that was explicitly spoken to in such. Yeah, definitely a really intense moment, and I'm glad Luke brought up that other that other snake because I forgot she'd already tried it once, and he's like, Ugh, "Can't do it." Mm-hmm. Had a kind of a, a cow moment, or well, cow slaughters creatures in Jedi oh, Fallen. Oh yeah, lesson, Spoiler right. alert. So maybe cow, you know, wasn't <laughs> as empathetic as I had thought. Yeah. Um, well, but, I don't know. I don't think that that's necessarily true. It's just a video game, Michael. It's canon. <laughs> the dude is slaying creatures. But but that's you did bring up psychometry, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like I don't know, Rob. You liked the video games, and that's what got you in the Star Wars. But I feel like the psychometry for Cal was very very helpful in Fallen Order. But I feel like in Dark Disciple, it's ultimately what led Quinlan to finally turning to the dark side, right? Boy, yeah. So, I... It was... Yeah. It was... It was... It was Dooku in the end, because it didn't matter that he turned his eye on that snake and that he choked out the sleeper. You know, he could have stopped, and I think that that was his Jedi in him holding Mm -hmm. him back. But at the same time, it took a dark side user that was just evil like Dooku to actually push him over the edge. And even in that first fight, the first when he, he was just completely outmatched because he was still holding back as a Jedi. And I think that if like maybe, and we see Obi-Wan, we see Obi-Wan fight Dooku twice. And what yeah. happened to him? He got taken out and then yep. he got, I still don't know how this happened. He had a whole section of a platform fall on his legs, but he can still walk. Still he can survive. still walk. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, because he's got he's got he's got metal legs, and we never saw him because he always got some long boots and <laughs> like that. So that's the fourth. That's a great oh. canon explanation yeah. for the boots. I like. That. <laughs> he's a cyborg. He's he's a clone. But going back to it, it, yeah, he he embraced it, and I think when Dooku finally put him on his missions. That's what ultimately allowed him to get close to him to the point where he could have actually did it. But he still did not pull the trigger because he wanted more power. And that is, I think, it's like biting into an orange cream sickle. It's like you're like, mm, great, and you got to eat it really fast. Yeah. And I think that's really what the dark side does to you. And I think he got to the end where it was like he got that gumball at the end and he started chewing it and that's yeah how mm. many licks does it take to get to the center that's still a question we have not had answered in the history of this planet but <laughs> i love what you're saying rob and and when you speak to it 
I'm thinking about how similar his experience is to Anakin, right? Like Quinlan's thinking probably in this moment, like the Jedi council Mm -hmm. has put me on this mission to save the Republic, save the galaxy. I can be that person. I'm strong enough. If they trust me enough to do this and they know it's going to take some shady stuff, they trust that I'm strong enough to come through in the end, which he does. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But like, that responsibility placed on you, yeah, they may seem ex- ex- expendable to him. I'm the champion. You're, I'm your knight you're putting out there to put an end to this. Yeah. And that's what Anakin was thinking, right? Like, I'm going to bring peace mm-hmm. to the galaxy. It just so happens, you know, that's the that's the path to the dark side. You don't get that power. You don't get all of that without accepting that. And there comes a point yeah. where your conscious, like, mind and all that Jedi training just – that shit goes out the door because you see then, wow, with that comes power. And that lust just gotta, comes more and more. Yeah. It's, to me, that's what it takes to actually kill a Sith. Because the Sith will kill them in a second. Yeah. But the Jedi are always like, oh, we're going to play around. And here, by your throat, here, here. Yeah. And that's what gets them killed. Half the time, even in EU, half the time the Jedi always hold back and they get whooped because of it. And yeah. the only, like, it, it just, to me, that's, it, it ultimately takes, and I, it goes back to the gray path. Like, you've got to walk that. And I think that you brought up a great point when you compared Quinlan to Anakin, because when you think about this time frame, there's two people that are literally involved because Maul was removed. It's Dooku and Palpatine. And those are the two people that actually put over both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. The more we talk about it, I feel bad for Quinlan. Like, this yeah. dude put in a tough spot, like, just like Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're, I don't know. You're, you're telling people they can't have these attachments. They can't tap into what makes people relatable, you know? It's that human nature. It, it, yeah, yeah, or if for Deny other species, it. whatever it is. Like, you're denying yeah. them of appreciating others they appreciate people's lives they're there to protect them but you don't understand what it is to relate to them and until like you you, you just don't have that especially from a young age and, and anakin you know has been a slave you know a quarter of his life so it's you're rejecting that that one thing that can make them more relatable to others and then throwing them into a position like this it is that's just maybe they didn't understand it, it we think it's hypocrisy but it's like it just maybe nothing else worked in the past. It's like you gotta cut it off. Like you can't be having relations. You can't be doing anything. You're gonna wear a robe. That's why I think we're gonna learn something in the past has forced them to kind of take this monk mm. lifestyle and reject everything because yeah. it it ended bad for them. You know, I have a question for you guys. Come on, Holly. <laughs> Do you think that if the Jedi had allowed themselves to actually enjoy? those relationships with people and enjoy that intimate human or uh, as Michael pointed out, I'm not being very inclusive, Yeah. different interspecies yeah. Yeah. connection. Do you think that they would have participated in creating Clone Wars? Or do you think that that would have been like a total moral debacle? That, yeah. Cause that's, I mean, they just kind of, but the thing is, is like when they found out about it, once again, the circumstances like we're like, oh my god, the separatists have a huge army, and 
these clones just kind of showed up because remember they had really no idea about it. It was kind of done yeah. like Luke. Who was the I freaking forget? Um, Sifadias, right? Bingo. Yeah, yeah. Put out the put out the order for that, so they didn't really know it was. We kind of went rogue and did that, but then they show up and they're like, "Wow, we can just." They'll just listen to one command, and Yoda's like, mm, "Take me to the forwarding command center." And they did like, "Okay, we can." Let's put an end to this. Let's put it. That was a terrible Yoda. It was impression. pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Um, but like, I don't know if they weren't in those circumstances. Oh, you know, things were peaceful, and they're like, "Hey, you know what? Just in case something happens, we got this clone army here and yeah. Camino. Like, would you take them?" They'd probably say, Ugh, "You know, that really kind of goes against what we're all about." Mm -hmm. But wait, you have a few million already ready, and the Separatists are our back door, and the Sith are back. Ugh. You know, I, I don't know. Let's mm -hmm. let's take that. So maybe they're just as like opportunists as the Sith are, and I think so. I think we'll they just ignore that. They found themselves between a rock and a hard place here, and, mm -hmm. and they know that. Well, this dude here is supposed to be the chosen one, but the Sith are back. Yet we're in this war, and nothing seems to be ending it. I, you know, I guess we'll accept these clones, and you know, when that's not going well, well, I guess you know, an assassination attempt, and let's send some dude who. You know, is maybe vulnerable enough to say, oh, well, the the council never asked me to do anything. And now they're like, hey, you could be our savior. Of course, I'm going to jump to that. And and he doesn't even realize himself, you know, how vulnerable he is in that moment. Um, I don't know, guys. What do you what, anything to say about that? Well, I think you point to the sort of original pressure, original sin that that the Jedi commit that. Again, sort of their hand feels forced yeah. by the manipulations of Palpatine. They embrace the clone army out of necessity, they yeah. feel. Uh, but Yoda, again, like we've been talking about, tries to split the difference. Season one, episode one of the Clone Wars, is Yoda with a handful of clones on a planet. Uh, on, Luke. And he's talking about, I see you individually in the Force. You may be clones. Deep hole. You are still luminous beings in the Force. And so Yoda continues to try to straddle this line in the way that they've asked Quinlan Voss to straddle, straddle this line. Um, and they've sent Quinlan Voss into the underworld to be undercover and ask him to dabble in these things, ultimately to do good, but to dabble in dark in order yeah. to do that good in the end run. And uh, you know, it, it's part of the corruption of the Jedi you know, Yoda and Mace as well. I'm always going to defend Mace. I remember there was like very early episode of, of my appearances on Flying Casual where there's an email from Nettie and he took a little shot at Mace in an email that I took, <laughs> took umbrage with because I'll defend Mace for a while. But, you know, Yoda and Mace have good intentions and want to strike that balance. But, it's, you know, once you get corrupted with the dark side, you know, forever it dominates your destiny. And, uh, that's that's the, the the tangled web they're weaving here. Yeah, you always have to remember that Palpatine is on the other end of all of this, right? We tend to forget yeah. how masterful he is. Yeah, I was gonna, I was actually gonna make that comment earlier because Rob was talking about Palpatine a little bit earlier in this episode, and it's funny because we know, I mean, we know yeah. that all of these assassination attempts in this novel on Dooku will be futile. It's yeah. not going to work. He's yeah. going to walk away from all of them, not always unscathed, but he's yep. not going to be killed. 
And we also know that Palpatine is a huge driving force behind everything that's happening with his manipulation, even though that itself is not referenced because we know, I mean, well, Darth Sidious is here to stay, but I mean, and yet Palpatine has still been a huge part of this conversation about novel. He, I feel like he, you know, he set up the dominoes, right? Just all you do is press one. And then we're experiencing in these books all these dominoes kind of falling into place, right? Like yeah. Dooku kind of just falling into his lap, it seemed. You know, this former, this former Jedi? Like, like master? Come on, I could use this. Like, it just it seems like it's just kind of falls into place for him. I, 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 I just... He's a masterful Sith. That's why when he's gone, no one's coming back. Rob. I got something. And you see this in the EU in the future with Jaina Solo because she becomes a sword of the Jedi, which ultimately, to me, feels like that's the bounty hunter Jedi because she's the person who goes and kills. Yeah, she does. And that, and that just seems. Yeah. And look, she had to go train with, you know, was it Boba Fett? She had was it was it Boba Fett? Or, I yeah, I, anyway, it's been a lot of books, but uh, yeah, she had to learn unnatural things to actually take her brother down. Yeah. And that right there alone was the, the driving factor. And so even in the universe going forward, it always seems like the Jedi always got a hitman, but they try to still play that. So what are you? Are you like just deploying like, hey, we got this guy, but hey, we like people, but you can't love anybody. And we talked about this on the on the last casual council. You talked about both of you talked about this on the last that they are not in just this podcast too, that they are not allowed to have any attachments. And would that make a difference? I don't really know because I really think the Jedi just needs somebody evil enough to chop heads off. Yeah, sometimes that's sometimes that's what you have to do. Sometimes. You but, know, I don't want to sound like Joffrey here. Whoa. Another Game whoa. of Thrones reference. There it is. But sometimes you got to put heads on pikes. You know, sorry, taking it back to something sorry else Rob said. That. Rob brought up Boba Fett. Oh. And you guys know I love Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. My handle on everything is Boba Fettuccini because I love also Boba Fett. I love pasta. pasta yeah. And I love bad puns. But I it actually, <laughs> it's funny, Michael. It is good. Okay, but I actually think that I could have done without the Boba Fettness in this novel mm-hmm. because I didn't really care about the relationship that Asajj had with the other bounty hunters for the sake of moving the story along. And I actually would have preferred um, more of maybe insight into what uh, Quinlan was going through when he was with Dooku. And I feel like taking out the bounty hunter stuff would have been a good, would have given more room to kind of add that in and kind of see other than Dooku giving him his old master's lightsaber, Mm -hmm. what else he kind of experienced at, you know? Yeah. They try to pull, you know, I think Bosk, they pulled Bosk at some points, you know, so it's, Trying to tie the universe in, I get it, but but pages are, are <laughs> do you share in some? You mentioned some issues you had with it, like uh-huh. do you share in that issue, or, or is there some others that you want to highlight? Um, talk about all those. Everyone <laughs> out their issues with the book. Flash uh, Michael says, "Baby Boba Fett is a little bitch." 
Oh, he's one of the most annoying in uh, what was it, Clone Wars he was in? I oh my god, the yeah. whole arc of him trying to kill Mace Windu is just yeah. Oh boy, and then he blew up his dad's helmet. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, I could. It would have been okay to keep that whole little snarky thing of like Asajj Ventress like totally screwed him over because that's hilarious to me. Um, because he thinks he's like this big bad. I'm like, you're you're a child. Sit down. Um, but it did, I mean, why, why, why? It's just like how with the Mandalorian, I'm very concerned. Um, it's none of my business. Um, <laughs> well, it will be here in a couple months. So we'll find uh, out. I, uh, I just, I think it, I don't think it was necessary. I agree with Holly. I think they could have done more introspection with Quinlan and what, cause I wanted to know what was going on what Count Dooku was doing to him. Why was, yeah. why was he so messed up? I, I would like to know more about that than Boba Fett's issues. Um, Am I wrong in that they kind of blow, blew over him in his time with Dooku when they, the, you know, he became, yes. what was yeah. his Admiral? What's it face? Enigma. 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 Yeah. Do they pick those names themselves or are they assigned out of a hat? Because it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. It's just a random name generator that they found on Google. Sometimes that works, though. Sure. What was yours? Real fast. (laughs) I don't remember. Boba Fett. That Boba Fett accent was the worst accent I ever heard. That's all I got to say. In the audiobook? Yes. It was so bad. It was like it was like half. Like Mexican, like half, I don't know what. He was like, oh, we got to get the oh, there. And I was like, what are you, British, French? Probably used me. I think I tend to do mm-hmm. a pretty decent, I think it was somewhat an Australian or New Zealand. I don't remember you what it was. New Zealand on. accent isn't easy, okay? Yeah. So and I feel not... it. So hire me, you know, lose some press. Crikey. So, so <laughs> Paige, what other, you know, what other issues did you take? Oh boy! Oh, um, got to know. She oh, three pages. A whole book full of them. Yeah, I do. Uh, let's see. I mean, you might want to go to somebody else first Rob. because, like. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> oh, we just that. lost yes. Rob. What would you like? He's back. <laughs> Wait, I, you don't thought... lose me. I was gonna go somewhere real quick, but what's up? Oh no, go ahead. Yeah, no, go do what you guys do. Go what you... Let's Nettie. Did you have? Let's go to Nettie because I want to. I you know. An optimist likes the positive stuff of Star Wars. I and I share in that, you know, as does Luke. You know, we'll go to our negativity for with Paige and Holly, you know, for that. But like, let's be, let's dig into that. I, I don't think you know. I hear enough from you of like, man, I didn't, you know, really like this part of the story. Or maybe you did. I can't you didn't remember. Start with Mace. Well, Sorry, everyone Luke. sharing in the Mace Windu hate Luke. I apologize. I won't participate. But Nettie, I'm what, sorry, Luke. <laughs> Nettie, what, what is there something in particular? Is it because they kind of glossed over his time as Enigma? From what I remember, I was just like, wait, okay. So then everyone's familiar with him, and then like three months later, and and freaking Assange is just like hammering drinks, and she's like, ah, and it's like it, that kind of glossed over that time. But what what maybe didn't you like about it? Yeah, see, I think I've got two main things that kind of stuck out and um the first one does kind of relate to that say i know i think luke said on before that like the book reads like episodes of the clone wars yeah which it does for better and for worse in my opinion okay like on one hand it is it's more clone wars which i love clone wars like i was a kid when it aired so it's got a special spot but at the same time that doesn't lend itself to a book as well as you know 
yeah. originally crafted story might like I think I could like sit down and like read through this again and mock like this is where this episode would have been this is where that would would have been yeah and I think that kind of cuts off and cuts short some of the development they could have had um not to say that like you know characters won't develop but I think they could have done a little bit more with that yeah and then my other big complaint was at the end and I know they gotta let Dooku get away at some point but like it seemed to me like like you know he zaps Asajj spoilers like <laughs> when the Asajj are having their moment and from my understanding like Anakin and Obi-Wan were in there and like watching that moment and then like yeah. Dooku just like get up and like run away yeah this is like Dooku got away somehow but I'm like Obi-Wan and Anakin were just standing there did they just like what not pay attention doing? like maybe yeah. I missed something but that part really confused me <laughs> it was a classic you know like dooku salutation he just takes some rocks somewhere and throws them or hovers them over somewhere and i'm like oh my god we gotta focus on Look, this and he just sneaks away in his speeder it was like a classic thrawn moment where they were like Boy. he'll have his day and then they have to focus on <laughs> is that what ha- maybe i don't they're know they're there to end the war they just let him get away Luke, are we being too hard? I mean, they had other stuff going on. I don't know. You know, I I, I tend to remember, like Rob mentioned, Obi-Wan kind of being thrown down and being like, aren't you going to get back up and fight Obi-Wan? Was there a state of just like, he just like was zonked out or something? Like, are we not giving him enough credit? No, I think, I I can't speak to to that part because it's, starts to get a little fuzzy towards the end there. And that's um, why. That's exactly what we're saying, Luke. <laughs> I think that it's a, it's a powerful end for Ventress that she eventually, uh, in a way, sacrifices herself um, for the one that she loves um, and, and helps him fully return, kind of the light side, I think. Um, but one of his criticisms, despite it being you know one of my favorite novels of the new canon, I agree with Nenny. Like you can, you can tell it's adapted from Clone Wars scripts. Sometimes in a negative way, with some of the way the the action sequences are written. Um, I think they would have been written differently if it was purely started from a novel perspective. Um, and, and yeah, moments like you can feel like the commercial break in the in yeah. the episode almost. Uh, but Christy Golden, I think did such a great job adapting from scripts for a, a TV show yeah. um, despite those challenges. And and I think I was really skeptical about the uh, her other Star Wars book in, in the new canon, the Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad book, because yeah. I think, like, backstory for a video game isn't the best place for a novel to start from, just as a premise, typically. Mm-hmm. But... That book is awesome. And it was one of the, like, I put it, you know, when I was catching up on new canons, I started a few years in to the books all being released. So I was behind and I had to catch up. And I was going through kind of prioritizing, right, what I'm going to read first, what I'm going to read last. And I bumped that one down towards the bottom because I haven't played the game. I know a lot of the, the cut scenes that I've watched on YouTube. But that book is awesome. So, like, Chrissy Golden, like, is a solid author. Um, that, that Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad book, I'd recommend it for, for anyone who wants to read another Star Wars book they they haven't read yet, uh, so they, despite those challenges of having to adapt it from from scripts for a TV show, I think overall she did well. But I definitely agree with a lot of what they said there. Did anybody? Yeah, oh, sorry, no, I was gonna say, did has anybody read? Um, she did a short story in a magazine 
uh, called yep. Kindred Spirits, mm -hmm. and that was considered a prequel to yes. Dark Disciple. And that was a while back too. I don't even remember what it was about, but I did read it. It was. It did. Did any of you guys read that? No. Yeah, say, say I did. Okay. Yeah, so, it was included in my copy oh. here, so. Oh. Nice. nice. Why the hell didn't we get Nettie? Calling the audible. Man. Uh, Nettie. Okay. So. Okay. Cool. Then, because I didn't get to read it, and I couldn't find it on the internet anywhere. Mm, yes, I searched. Uh. So. Okay. Was there anything in that that you felt was super helpful for understanding Asajj a little bit more? It's been a little while since I read it, a couple weeks here, but um, I know it touches on Asajj's relationship with, they mentioned her name, I can't remember her name, she's that the pirate that they take the job from. It's mainly about how like those two knew each other, mm -hmm. and how they got to meet, and... Um, there was a, some pretty good development with Asajj at the end of it, about like, cause like that pirate asked her to like join her crew, and Asajj was like, no, not now, and like the reason she gave, like the thought process there was pretty good, but I definitely need to reread it again before I can speak yeah. too deeply into any of that. I heard that Hondo makes a big appearance in that. Yep, Hondo is in it. Yep. I just, I don't know. I need to get my hands on that because I haven't read it and I want to. And maybe it is in my, I don't I, think it, it is. It is, Holly. It's in the back. Well, yeah. slam oh. on us for not finishing the damn book. Did Holly even read this book? I don't know. Oh I'm God, sorry. Hey, is. What about us audio cast people, man? We don't get that. Come on, man. Fair we left up. You might have to pay extra for that. It's right here. Read on for the short story, Kindred awesome. Spirits. Love, I'm the worst. I love that you brought up Hondo, though, because Hondo, another Hondo. opportunist. Now that I think about it, him and Asajj, pretty similar, you know? Tends to kind of scurry away from situations that aren't going so great for him. Also, you know, if something's going to be in his best interest, he's going to do it. And maybe it's not the, always the most immoral thing to do, so I'm... Nice reference there about Hondo, because I forgot about Hondo. Very plus, similar here. Plus, isn't Hondo part of the um, pirate group that she she hates so much? Or am I making that up? I think up? so. I don't know what specific group it is, but yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I guess I need to read that. I'll let you guys know what I think. Luke, is there anything else that you didn't necessarily enjoy about it? I mean, we like it, but... Is there anything uh, other than the fact that it was never made into... Uh... Actual yeah. Clone Wars episodes. I think, you know, like we hinted at the backstory of this, it was a slate of like something like eight uh, episodes of the Clone Wars that were going to be made yeah. for like season six, I want to say. But because Disney canceled it, you know, we didn't actually get that. So my burning desire, ever strong, is that they come back and do like the Dark disciple special on yeah. uh, disney plus and release this animated film and actually put it on the screen as much as i love the book it would be i think really special to see it in the book or see it you know the animated version of it and i yeah. think the other sort of criticism that's been hinted at here is the uh we don't know much about quinlan boss's time as admiral enigma yeah. and i think as much as that is sort of uh disappointing not hear more about it, it it's I think purposely done in the story, so you're not sure about where he is at that point. Like, Good point. what, which side is he on at this point? Oh, there's this story out there that he was Admiral Enigma helping Dooku win all these battles, but as a reader, you're kept more in the dark about exactly what those details are, so that you're not sure where Quinlan stands. So it can be kind of 
surprising to you as the reader to figure out where where he's going. That's true. So, because I had, I know, okay, backpedaling when yeah. I said, do away with the bounty hunter, would do away with Boba Fett mm-hmm. in here and give me more of, you know, Enigma. But I think actually maybe that would make a good comic line. I think that would be, because that's, you're, 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 you're digging into a time period where it's very close to, you know, episode three i would think and yeah we don't want to dig too much into it so a comic line would probably yeah, be decent I so that would be good. he could go out and do things you know that we don't have to describe or you know too much but we can see kind of what happened in that time yeah and, and, and that makes a lot of sense what luke said like you don't they don't want to they don't want to go into that too much you just you know and i if, if i recall i don't even think like they, they did that much with revan either but i that's been a long time since i've read those books um, but kind of glossing over those details. Um, one of one of the books downfalls. But ultimately, I, can I say like I really love this book, and I would love to see a cinematic adapt, adaptation oh. and bring back the gentleman that played Quinlan Voss in Episode bring One. Let's back. not forget he's there on Tatooine. Am I wrong, Luke? He's in the shadows. He's at some outdoor cafe, just have sipping on some Jawa juice. Probably watching over Qui-Gon and who knows what Qui-Gon's going to do. Maybe he dabbles in the dark. You know, he tends to kind of he's kind of reckless. So maybe he's watching him doing the dirty work that we know the Jedi Council expects him to do. That's a good bit of trivia. I wonder who that guy is. Does anyone oh, have that ex- the extra's name who appeared as Kim and Voss on screen? Well, <laughs> those trivia trials players expect. A little little trick question there. I think I said this on an episode, and Luke gave us the name, but I said if there ever is a live-action adaptation of this, I think Hans Conried, was that his name, Luke, who plays Thorn Oakenshield in The Hobbit, would have been... Yeah, you're way off. (laughs) I'm sorry, who? Richard Armitage? (laughs) Not a Harry... Wait, hold on. Not a Lord of the Rings podcast. Not a Hobbit podcast. Holly, that's okay. Guys, I'm a huge fan of the I looked it up online. It says says Thorn and Oakenshield. Hans... It's right here. Hans? The animated version, Holly. Oh, God, I don't know. I just looked it up. (laughs) Internet so I still got it wrong. You literally can't trust Google. You can't. You also can't trust. But my point stands. You absolutely can't. He's a burglar, but he means well. Yes. Not with those big feet. I'm oh sorry. You would God. not get around that delicately. Anyway. Did you see him around the troll? Okay. But anyway, my point stands. I think that he would play a really good um, Quinlan boss. I agree. And you know what? Here's the thing. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to go look at the credits and, and look where Quinlan boss is. I'm sorry. It's probably like background character 79 or something like i don't think at the time they weren't saying oh, that's coil and Voss back there this is a total like retcon kind of like hey by the way at that cafe that was quinlan Voss, and he was on a secret mission so i don't even know if you're going to get those details as who that guy was but maybe well, he, that's holly a- have, have you casted assage at all do you have an idea for assage's uh role Ooh, um maybe me that I'm was sorry. terrible. That was not a good <laughs> me terrible. or Asajj. That was not you. I got one. <laughs> Thank you for that. I thinking. got one. Rob. It would be Angelina Jolie like 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Rob, we can can't go back it. in time. She can still do it. Uh, the voice may be a little. They can make her look young. They can make her look young. It's like, who pulls off the short hair? Like, she Miley still Cyrus? looks great. 
She still yeah. looks great. And Miley Cyrus can uh, stay uh, very uh, far away from my Star Wars. Thank you very much. That's a great <laughs> I don't know if we necessarily will in the Star Wars universe. Love her to death. You know, no. just don't think she'd make a good Asajj. I don't know. Luke, let no. me think about that, and I'll get back to you. I see. I'll cast I... the whole damn Lies. film. Come on. I could see Charlize Theron. That's why. I yes, That's yes, good. absolutely. Did you think I said Miley Cyrus? I know you didn't. I did say that. I did you say that. Miley Cyrus. The big, big eyes. Like, Montana. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, no, I'm just, well, I would say this. You got to say, you got to have an evil person, and I think Angelina Jolie can play the role better than Charlie Theron. Just my opinion. Well, I, I, have you I, watched I, The Old Guard? That's so good. No, no, actually, somebody told me about that. Just like the other day, I don't go on Netflix no more. It was fantastic. She kicked a lot of butt in that movie, yeah, and did. I can't wait to see a sequel from that show, that movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. Also, you know, been busy watching Cursed, so uh, don't have a whole lot of time for anything right now. But uh, I, I love the story. I love, you know, it, yeah, there's some romance there, but it's not your, you know, light versus dark you know it's it's not lost stars you know the empire and, and the good guys and they fall in love and it's a tragic story because they're on opposite sides it's it's deeper than that it's darker than that it's passion wow the, the dark side is full of passion you know whether it's love or whether it's power it's passion it's not wrong and i love the temptation and how complex this random character is that we've now made you know you know background character 79 from the phantom menace i love that we've given him a story we still honestly don't even know a ton about him you know we know that losing his master was very sensitive to him we still don't have a i don't know maybe i missed that part in the book but we don't have a ton of background on him too so complex star wars does this every time with these characters maul ventress you know ventress we got a lot of we actually yeah, we, we know quite a bit about Ventress' backstory, but we could we could know some more. But I don't know. Just delving into different worlds is is fascinating to me, and and I want to understand that 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 dark monster a little more, the and sleeper? like the sleeper, and what Jeez. what you know. I, I love that we're you know experiencing different realms, and it was, yeah, it's good versus evil, but there's I don't know. There seems like there's a little more there that just. Mm, I don't know. I love the story. I can get over the choppiness and the episodic kind of, kind of you know, run that it gives. But I, I, I don't know. I believed it. I believed it. And I think Christy Golding is, is a great Star Wars author, and I hope we get more from her. Nettie, final words about you know, Dark Disciple. I mean, who is the Dark Disciple? I, do we know? Is it Quinlan? What is a Could disciple? Be. I have no idea. I'm asking questions. I don't have <laughs> what is to. a disciple? But then any, any closing words on Dark Disciple? Uh, so just it's a, it's a very good book. Uh, definitely check it out. That's that's the main things I can say about it. It's definitely worth a read. That's what I'm talking about. Rob? I got, I got, yes. So we have not talked about this. This goes back to our last, our last council meeting. Again, the force. Come on. How the hell does Luke take 10 minutes of Force Lightning? She catches a bolt, breathes out of her shit, sorry, yeah. and yeah. dies. Like, that I had a real problem with. I had a real problem with. He stopped it. He stopped it. 
Right? Quinlan stopped it. And he, she did not get hit. It wasn't like he was there for an hour just... Yeah. Right? Oh, fantastic. Doing that. So good. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I'm the man of a thousand sounds sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, oh. <laughs> oh, uh, Freezing. Hour and 35 minutes. Um, but it just, it bothered me that the Force Lightning actually killed her. It never really killed anybody. Yeah. And it was more of like a stun move. And Dooku's Force Lightning in Battlefront 2 is... And to me, to him to just wake up and go like, and just get her, to, that's what killed the ending for me. Because I was like, I, I didn't want them to go off because I had this, I guess I had this infatuation kind of like with our eyes of like, where did Ahsoka go? Well, when I was listening to this, I was like, well, where's Ventress go? And I was like, well, what happened to Ventress? And yeah. like always when Dooku would always talk to her, he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, really? Like, you just waited till they were sleeping and she jumped in front of Quidlin and then, like, everything's fine. He gets away and then it's over and they give her this. And I'm like, no, no, Luke, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, he took Force Lightning from Palpatine. Palpatine, like, way more powerful than Dooku. And I mean, I know that Luke was more powerful than Ventress, but Ventress did prove her own. She had a lot of background, she was strong. There's no way that she just jumped in front, saved Quinlan, and had blood boiling from her to die like that. That's just my opinion. I, I, yeah, I no, was sad. It's the, you find those inconsistencies in like in Star Wars with these powers and how they affect people, and I totally get it. I'll take it back to prior conversations we've had and like passing and things like that in Star Wars. And to me, in my mind, I have issues with it too. I'm like, oh, come on, like. But in my mind, it's almost like she understood she had a purpose at that point. And, you know, it's like it's like with Luke. We like to think that, like, Luke wouldn't have died when he, you know, rejected himself. It was almost like Ventress found her purpose. She found love. Like, she found things that she never thought she was going to find on her path. And right. she was able to kind of let go. That That's mm -hmm. how I'm kind of – because I scared. also – I share, I share the same concerns with you because I was annoyed. I'm like, God, she, she's taking a lot of crap. You know, she's fought in two Jedi Masters by herself. It's like, that shouldn't have done that. But to me, it's almost just like her purpose has been served at that point, and uh. I'm ready to let go. That's just how I look at it. Maybe that's wrong, but... I have a rebuttal. Oh, God. Yes, Holly. Oh, you had a big well, issue that we didn't talk about. Let's with go, this. Holly. I had a really yeah. big issue that we didn't talk about with this. I'm going to bring it up. And let's Paige talk about now. I'm down for a two-hour podcast. Whatever. We have two... Point two left on the card. It's not very much time. Behind the scenes, you've heard it here, folks. <laughs> two point two on the card. Let's go on. Okay. My big issue with saying that Asajj served her purpose is that I don't believe that her purpose was to allow Quinlan to continue on his journey because he didn't do anything after wow. she died. Wow. He was babysat and then that's all the story that we Boy. get. And I'm this is a bone I have to pick with Star Wars in general is oh. I'm really sick of women in Star Wars being sacrificed yeah. to further the story of men in Star yeah. Wars stories. No, you're absolutely right. And that is something that I did not appreciate about this novel yeah. is that it's like she is this character, this strong woman. She's a night sister. She's yeah. a witch. She's full of power she's full of fire she's full of life and then all of a sudden she's gonna be like 
oh, I love this man so much. I'm going to throw away everything that I care about my goals and what I want to do and what I've been doing. And but were, I get, what were her goals? You know okay, what I'm saying? I like, get, I'm playing wait, devil's advocate here. I get that she seemed a little bit lost, but I feel like she has a greater purpose in life than just being sacrificed yes. so that Quinlan can be babysat by the Jedi Council. Yes. And then probably meet his demise in Order 66. I feel like she, that saying that her purpose was to allow that to happen to Quinlan and then Dooku to get away, it kind of didn't feel worth it, and it yeah. didn't. I have a big issue with that. Oh, I totally agree. And we need to take it up with Christy Golden. We don't. We need to take it up with Lucasfilm. Well, yeah. I, agree. I agree. But, you know, it, the writers are writing the stories. And I think you know, there's mm-hmm. definitely numerous accounts, Padme being one. You know, wow, <laughs> did she really just die of a broken heart? I guess. But that's, so, you know, that just shows, I, I don't know. I think, if okay, this is just me. If I were going to change the ending of the story, I think that Quinlan would have been the sacrifice. And I think that Asajj. I could not agree more. I think that Asajj would have been able to accomplish so much more because I think that Quinlan, her love for Quinlan probably gave her a little bit more of that fire Mm -hmm. and that will to live and kind of helped her a little bit more towards the light. And I feel like with that, she could have accomplished so much more than Quinlan did. And I just think that though I think that their death should have been reversed. But Paige, I know you can back me up on this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh I'm tired of women being receptacles for men's pain in media. I'm really tired of it. Um and in Star Wars, anytime a woman is in like love or, you know, just exists, um, she gets the bad end of yeah the story um and and, you know Hera and Leia are the exceptions not the rules Mm -hmm. and um their lives still suck and that's not to say that a character shouldn't encounter obstacles that's that's necessary but um when you look at it most of the male characters survive yeah um and I'm tired of it I'm tired of it um I agree with Holly I think that Quinlan's death would have made a lot more sense and he does survive 66 because it's in a comic he Uh survives Mm -hmm. um but i think to take a character who has been through so much and then have her just die for her boyfriend or whatever i think it's just a waste i think it's a waste uh they could have done a lot more with her i say that about a lot of star wars characters that are women they could have done a lot more with a lot of people um I even say that about male characters, too. I think that they kill people off way too quickly. But who I mean, I was just an English literature major. I will. I don't know. Uh, you know, I just I one thing to add to that. And then you could go on mm-hmm. with the whole thing of if Ventress would have moved on and Quinlan would have died. Would you have loved to see her team up with Ahsoka? Because they were both pretty much outcasted. And to see the story change, to see them come together, I think that would have been amazing. And I think it would have really helped. And then I got to say, y'all got to learn about Gina Solo. Well, that's, there's, yeah, there's some good stuff there because she's. I, she's, I love Gina Solo yeah. a lot. Um, I think she, she would, I think Ahsoka and Asad would have been a great team. I would have loved to see that more than. Um, Ahsoka and Maul, in fact, because I don't really like Darth Maul, but that's my own business. Um, (laughs) 
sorry. Um, That's fine. I think that would have been great. I think that would have been super interesting because it's two women lifting each other up, but they took it a different way. Um, I just think we need more strong female characters that don't just, you know, die of broken hearts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And if you read the Padme books, it's, it's a waste. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as a, this is just me speaking for myself as a female viewer, reader, lover of star Wars, I think that we do we do all agree that Star Wars has such like a message of hope. Mm-hmm. But ultimately watching it as a woman, it's not it's not the same message of hope that I think a lot of people get because I think mm-hmm. it's more so like you need to sacrifice things that you love so that certain people can then continue to go on. But I think I agree. The thing that I would like to see change in Star Wars, and I think it's definitely something that can and will and i think that i know i i don't even think i know that there are a lot of women who love star wars that agree with that because i think that that's a grievance among a lot of those lovers of star wars yeah i I think it would have made a lot more sense to have him die and then her go to the council and you know be pardoned and then from that point yeah what is her story yeah. and she was pardoned she was she yeah par- yeah it felt like it could have ended there they and he could have passed it would have made more sense that and then maybe the jedi saying wow that that wasn't the way we we lost one of our own and yeah. we you know we shouldn't have put him at that risk we knew what the risk was and then mm-hmm. we we did it and i don't think a lot of i don't think any of that was christy golden i i think she worked with what she was given they said um, you got to get rid of her and this is the way we're going to do it yeah. we're not going to dedicate any more resources yeah. that's probably what they what but they I, I i don't know and that's something interesting maybe i would like to get her thoughts on like how she had to write in ultimately the demise of Asajj and how she felt about that because i think I don't know that I've seen that in the interviews and that answer might be there, but I actually would be really interested to know because she did say that, you know, she, she joked and said that she did have a lot of Kleenex and a lot of tissues ready when she was writing this. And when she was watching the Clone Wars and I just, I feel like part of that is because she had to kill off Asajj. And I think that when you write these characters, you feel like they're a part of you. And when you kill them off, I feel like, you know, you, you feel that loss and, it would be interesting to reach out to her on Twitter, maybe even, and say, hey, like, what, you know, what was the reasoning behind it? Is it just simply you needed to get her out of the universe? Could there have been other ways? Did you pitch other ways? I think, yeah, I think that, and, you know, hindsight. Like, maybe she goes back and says, wow, that would have been a lot different now. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I know mean, she could only do point. so much, right? Because yeah. they told her what we need, and this, these are the scripts that we're giving you and this is what happens to certain characters details so yeah yeah she's a character you don't hear a lot of people talk about when you talk about the female characters of star wars you just hear a lot of hate on ray and then we'll mm-hmm. say like you know uh i think gina you know karana or whatever from mandalorian's awesome like it's like okay well what do you think about asajj i i never hear anyone really talk about asajj more right? asajj conversation Damn. discussion well we were trying to get to like <laughs> closings and how we feel well so let's get back to that before we do have a three-hour podcast so a page summary mm-hmm. would you give it a scale i, I mean an eight out of ten what's or, your good uh, rates rating or were we well, in the that's next? that's not out of a, a ten <laughs> um <laughs> a, i mean i would give it i would give it a four out of five on goodreads i like i liked it i didn't 
not enjoy it. I mean, I have critiques, but I still enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's not the book's fault that this is the nature of Star Wars. Um, like I said, I, I I loved exploring both those characters. They think that they're good to have in a relationship together, and I thought it was interesting. And they brought up, like, a jewel-encrusted lightsaber. I mean, Boy. what's not to love? And she had a yellow lightsaber, which is, like, what I would have. So I loved everything about it, to be honest. Thanks, out. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> that but we'll cabinet. That, the book. And those, that cabinet. Those. What about the cabinet? The oh, I cabinet lived for the cabinet. Lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. That's some cow stuff right there. That's true. That's true. Uh, Luke. I know it seems like, you know, 80% of this podcast, we've been, you know, giving this book a hard time, but I think we all do enjoy it. I, I mean, final words, man. I mean, it's still up there, right? I mean, you haven't left this conversation saying, God, this is a garbage book. <laughs> no, it was immensely enjoyable to, to go through it for the second time because uh, this was one of the earlier books I picked up uh, when I started going through the new canon novel. So, again, thank you, Holly, for the opportunity to go through it again. Uh, by selecting this book and to weigh in quickly on sort of the discussion that's been on the tail end of this. I think it, it could have been equally interesting if Quinlan is the one who didn't survive this story, or even if they both sort of together didn't survive it. Uh, I think maybe from the storyteller's perspective, we have so much more attachment and experience with Asajj that as a reader, viewer, experience or of the story, our attachment to Asajj is greater, I think, because we've, we've had so much more backstory with her. When you add up all we know about Quinlan, it's, there's relatively little content. There's the cameo we've been referencing in Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And then there's a great episode of Clone Wars that actually did get to air, Hunt for Zero, which I would mm-hmm. highly mm-hmm. recommend people check out because it's one of the more like unique episodes out there. Um, and then this story, but like other than that, like in some comics maybe that that I'm not too familiar with, but like I think our breadth of Asajj knowledge and, and experience with her and walking down her path is greater. So I think her death is more powerful to us. Oh. But maybe that was the choice, regardless of uh, gender in that instance. So to sort of like play on that side of things. Um, but I, yeah, it's 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 a great story. I think it, it does romance and relationships um, really well and really interesting in an adult way. It's it's believable in the way it all plays out. And I think the Clone Wars overall does relationships and romance better than what um, certainly I think George achieved in the prequels, as, yeah. as as somewhat intentionally as some of the romance between Padme and Anakin is. I think was intentionally done uh, in the prequels. Um, what they did with Anakin and Padme's relationship in the Clone Wars, it plays out in a much more realistic way. And I think Asajj and, and Quinlan is yet another example of like a Clone Wars relationship playing out in this uh, more relatable, more believable, more significant kind of way. So uh, everyone who hasn't, kind of weird if you've listened to 90 minutes of this already and haven't read the book, but <laughs> go do it if you haven't or do it again because it's great the second time around. Definitely. I, I love that idea. You know, yeah, would this ending have been as impactful? Because we're sitting here saying, God, I want more Assange. It's like we wouldn't we would have been like, OK, what, when are we going to get it? And you know what? They probably never would have even done anything. We've just been kind of left. to, you know, mm-hmm. what, what what did her future hold? And it's 
so there's something about having closure and knowing, you know what, maybe there was a little bit of something there and maybe she kind of saw like, you know, she did something and it served a purpose and she's, you know, a, a person of many hats, but here I did something that I believed in and I believed in this person. And, and maybe that's enough to, to say that was a cool story. And I'm, and I'm glad it had a, a somewhat of an ending, but do we want more of her? Absolutely. But, uh, and, and I love thinking about, you know, as messy as the relationship is in the prequels with Anakin and Padme, we don't really understand it. We do, like you said, Luke, get these experiences with other characters. And I know in this podcast, even find myself making connections and saying, Oh, okay, well that they find ways of making it make sense. And we understand what these folks were going through that we don't, you know, we don't necessarily need a novelization of the movie and fill in all the, the, the details that we don't get in the cut scenes. Uh, we can tell another story and, and find it relatable to what we, we understand about the films. Um, and through someone else's story, I think that's fantastic. Uh, Holly, I think it was a great, great pick. Yeah. Well, thanks, Luke, for picking it. I will give my final thoughts. Um, I think that we did have a lot of critiques. I think we just spent the last half hour kind of talking about them all together. But I think that that's such a good thing because I think it shows we cared so much about the novel and the story that it had to tell that we were so passionate about the things that we wanted to change. And a lot of those are issues in Lucasfilm. And a lot of those are, um, you know, issues with just the characters or the way that it was written. But I think that overall, like personally, if I'm giving it my good read rating, I agree with a four out of five because I just think, it was so intriguing, and I think that this is one of my favorite Star Wars books that we've read Let's so go. far. I blew through it. It was a great recommendation from Luke. I love the Night Sisters. I love Dissage. I think that what we got from Chrissy Golden was a very strong character who makes her own decisions and doesn't have a problem with telling people yeah. these are the decisions that she wants to make, but also somebody who's willing to listen to the other side and yeah. comes back around. And she is ultimately willing to work with the Jedi Council. And she does have, um, what's the word, guys? Anyway, she... Balance. She's... Uh, she's uh, sure. Whatever. Compassion. But, thank you. Yeah. Compassion. And I think that those are all important traits because I think Paige brought it up earlier, too. We don't really see a lot of that when we talk about characters on the dark side. And I yeah. think that... Chrissy Golden did a really great job of creating this character that we can all empathize with and feel sympathetic for. And I think that that was just so well done. Absolutely. Folks, I probably one of the best, you know, hyperspace, uh, book clubs we've ever had. I, I think this was a fantastic discussion and I hope we find more of these books that we can really dig deep into. That's right. Well, I did put a poll in our Facebook group oh, and asked everybody boy. to, um, let us know. Is what the poll book. closed? Did poll, we put a timing on the that? The poll closed on Wednesday. Okay. Um, if you've been following along, then I think that you know what we're reading. I'm pulling it up, so I'm dragging my words That's out as okay. slow as I can. Um, but I, I already <laughs> ordered it. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> not the winner, unfortunately. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry, I just had to put it in That's there. Okay. Phrasing. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, apologetic. Um, so we will be Hello. reading the Ahsoka novel. I like it. That's the one that everyone voted for. We like to listen to the people here. So yeah. that's the book that we're reading also, on the second Saturday of next month. You can tell that the Clone Wars and its, you know, 
it's comeback has has lit a fire under this group and they want to dig into all the stories that kind of take place you know and and then all those awesome characters and ahsoka uh, a solid book i've already read it you know some of our folks here have so pick that up um you've got one month we are doing book clubs the second saturday of the month so read that bad boy it's a quick read um so knock that out and we'll be back next month to talk about it in september the second saturday uh i want to thank our our council here folks talking about dark disciple it was fantastic so much good insight um and that's why we talk about star wars with friends and then we have good friends here that we talk to and always hotly offering nuggets of information and thoughts about a story that i never ever would have made that's right michael and they keep yeah, because you would go straight to the dark. Luckily, <laughs> I'm here to balance that out with all the light there That's is. Um, Paige needs to come to a council meeting because if she wants to talk about force. We got part two of the boy. force coming up. She got some ideas too. I mean, she knows EU like I do, kind of like, like, come on. <laughs> part two of a 10 part series on the force where we're going to break things down through a timeline. I'm excited to get back into that. And, and try not to sidetrack everyone as much as I have, but boy, just <laughs> things just keep popping uh, in this old noggin, and I just have to talk about it. And I guess that's what you do on a podcast. I don't know. I don't really run one. But, uh, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that. We're going to continue uh, next month with the book club and the casual council as usual. And every Monday you can uh, tune in here on, on Flying Casual and, and listen to our monthly episode. Um, you know, comic books galore happening lately. Um, so expect a, a, another deep dive into, I think, issue five of the main line that just released this past Wednesday. And we'll be talking about some other juicy stuff. Maybe the Bad Batch finally. Holly, I have no idea. Maybe we'll finally get we to it. We might actually get to the Bad Batch. Yeah, three weeks after we said we were going to talk about it, maybe we'll finally get to it. I fully we run on our own flying casual time here. Yeah, I'm not sitting here dedicated to the news every week. Whatever. That's we right. do what we want. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. And you know what? If you want to get into the book club and you want to make decisions and vote to what book we discuss next, get in that Facebook group. Join that thing. Uh, a lot of fun stuff going in there. And I do know that our Jedi Master Brent is working on a little fun project, oh, I will yeah. say, involving sausage quotes. You sausage guys are going to like it. You guys are gonna, it sounds dirty, but you're going to yeah. like it. This one's going to take a lot of work on his part. Uh, a lot of sausage, a lot of quotes. Looking forward to it. Um, so expect a little fun surprise there in the group. Uh, I think he'll let me know when that's done. Um, and we'll get that thing uh, introduced to everyone. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to interactions with you guys in the group, on social media, everywhere. Check us out on YouTube. If you want to see this handsome mug, and I'm talking about myself, not Holly, uh, join us on YouTube to interact with us there. Um, just another different platform. I know some people don't like the long long platform on, on uh, YouTube, but it's nice to sometimes see who you're interacting That's with. True. Um, so join us there if you want. Subscribe, like uh, the videos, and, and check us out on all podcasting feeds. Uh, even um, oh, what's uh, the, the 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 newest uh, Alexa one? There's an Alexa one now. I, I can't even remember what it's called, Holly. It's that new. It literally just dropped. Um, so we're on there, all platforms. Um, I would like to yeah. reiterate that the podcast will not yeah. be on Alexa or read to you from Alexa. Actually, I don't know. Actually, if you're listening right now and you have an Alexa, try hollering out, Alexa, play Flying Casual. Let's see what happens. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, uh, Holly, I you know, I, I don't make podcasts, so I couldn't tell you where we're at, but we're don't on the interwebs. Uh, so go check us out there. I hope you guys enjoy that, and we will see you next time. May the Force be with you. <laughs>